where two guys teach you about the books they want to read. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Um, welcome to the first of hopefully many um, intro to episodes. Uh, if you're not familiar with the term, uh, the purpose of these episodes is to learn a little bit more about the these maybe lesser read genres and to kind of clue our listeners in on what to expect when picking up a book in said genre. All right. Joining us today is our bizarro expert for this episode, J. David Osborne. Osborne is the Norman, Oklahoma-based author of the Lynchian Gulag Escape Story. By the time we leave here, we'll be friends. His work has appeared in Warmed and Bound, Verbicide, the magazine of bizarro fiction, Bare Bones, John Skip's Demons, and Bull Speck. He is currently working on his second novel, a surreal pitch-black Oklahoma noir called Low Down Death Right Easy. He maintains an active Facebook page where he routinely makes a fool out of himself. David, thanks for taking the time to come on and educate us about bizarro fiction. And by the way, um, congratulations on winning the Wonderland Award for Best Novel in 2010 for By the Time We Leave Here, We'll Be Friends. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, uh, since this is an intro to episode and we're learning about bizarro, I think it makes sense to kick it off with a, a question that we get most when we, we've been mentioning to people that we're going to do this episode. And the question is, what is bizarro? What is bizarro? Um, okay, bizarro is basically, um, it's a very broad sort of uh, generic term for a very, what's becoming a very large genre. Um, what is typically used to describe the bizarro genre is that it is a, it is the cult section of your video store, which they don't, those, it's the cult section of your Netflix uh, instant queue. Um, in literary form, and kind of what uh, it's hard to pigeonhole exactly what Bizarro is, but I would just say that it's anything that is uh, extremely weird. Weirdness would be the defining characteristic that unites sort of all the different subgenres of uh, Bizarro. How did uh, how did Bizarro get its start? Um, Bizarro got its start with uh, Racerhead Press. Um, which still puts out most of the um, Bizarro books today. I think they started sometime in the early 2000s. And uh, at that point, um, Bizarro hadn't been coined as a term yet. They were um, still trying to figure out what it was. But around uh, 2005, which is when I discovered Bizarro, was when they uh, started the Mondo Bizarro Forum. And I think that after that, there had been... um, several different sort of manifestos for what Bizarro was. I think I remember Kevin Dole, who wrote a book called uh, Tangerinophant, which is awesome, and I don't know where he is. That's the only book that I've seen from him. But uh, he wrote a book called Tangerinophant, and he also wrote a Bizarro manifesto. And so it started to sort of become like this uh, actual literary movement around then. And so they had, yeah, they had this um, message board called Mondo Bizarro where, you know, people like Jeremy Johnson and Carlton Mellick and Cameron Pierce would just post sort of all the time. And uh, since then, it's just, it's grown into something even bigger. For a while, there were uh, three presses that were putting out Bizarro books. There was Eraserhead, there was uh, Afterbirth, and there was Raw Dog Screaming. And I, I'm pretty sure Raw Dog still puts books out. Uh, but I know Afterbirth went under, even though their books are still in print. But Eraserhead has kind of emerged as the uh, as the as the leader in in putting out uh, Bizarro books, and they're the ones who under under Eraserhead they have all the different like 
sub presses like Lazy Fascist and uh, Swallowed Down and um, Deadite and 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 stuff like that. So, um, so it's 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 pretty new, I guess, and um, or it sounds like it if it's just been around for like a little over a decade. How how big would you say the movement is now? Like, is there any kind of idea of how many people are into it? Or I don't know if there's like forums or or any kind of membership based things that that you can kind of see how big it is. I I don't know exact numbers. I know that it's gaining. Um, it's bizarro is definitely a, a pretty well known term on most of the message boards that I've been to. People sort of uh, have an idea of what it is, even if their idea of what it is is uh, it's just. It's that weird thing where they say fuck in the title all the time. Uh, but I think I think it's gaining a lot of currency with people because there's a lot of um, big, specifically horror writers like uh, like like Brian Keene, uh, who are who are getting behind the uh, the whole Bizarro um, tag and are associating themselves with it. So it's it's stead- slowly but surely gaining. Uh, more credibility, I think, in the in the literary scene, if you will. I was using uh, quotes with my fingers for that. But... <laughs> it works great on podcasts. When you yeah, do that. It's um, I'll, just, uh, I'll let you guys know. I'll let you guys know every single time I use quotes with my fingers. <laughs> so clear when I'm being silly. That's cool. So these bigger names are kind of bringing more legitimacy, or at least attention. To the right. Genre? Yeah, exactly, and they're able to bring their, um, you know, their collected works to it too. And they're if, if someone like I, I'm not, I know that uh, at, at the last Bizarro Con, Keen was talking a lot about uh, Joe Lansdale. I think liking Bizarro, and don't quote me on that though. <laughs> but like, if somebody like Lansdale were to associate himself with that uh, genre, then all of his work kind of retroactively backs up the Bizarro. Uh, movement you know so it's it's people who are who are bringing who are saying you know i've been doing bizarro forever i just didn't know that it was bizarro you see what i'm saying oh right on yeah and then i know Livius is pushing me to ask one question but uh, another thing that i thought of because you said subgenres within bizarro i mean is that yeah are there like you know like is there like western bizarro and stuff like that or what what type of subgenres you're talking about well i mean yeah yeah i think that um i think that bizarro yeah there are definitely um, subgenres because I think I, I read uh, Jeremy Johnson say once that you know bizarro is the most generic term since literary. Um, it's really kind of a catch-all for for things that are weird. So I mean, yeah, there are uh, bizarro westerns and you know bizarro crime, bizarro not very much uh, bizarro romance, but bizarro horror uh, is a big one. So. Uh, all of these things are, are, you know, kind of subcategories of of the overarching uh, Bizarro tag. You mentioned the um, the Netflix section that Bizarro would uh, would would fall into, or how you could relate it. Are there any more mainstream movies that you could give us to kind of give us an idea of what we may have seen that falls into the Bizarro category? Um, yeah, or I'm... that could potentially, even if it wasn't labeled as such. Sure, uh, there's um. I always go to uh, to David Lynch because I'm a huge David Lynch fan. But uh, anything by him, um, stuff by like Takashi Miike, like I don't know if you guys have seen Itchy the Killer or uh, Gozu or some of his other movies, but they're all extremely weird and totally bizarro. Uh, on the trashier end of things, there's uh, Troma, 
trauma movies like the Toxic Avenger, stuff like that. Um, there was a movie I saw recently called The Last Circus, which was, uh, I can't remember the name of the director or anything like that, but it was about uh, a clown in the Spanish Civil War and his son who falls in love with another member of a circus, but it's just really weird and uh, really cool, but really weird. And I would, I would include that. Um, I would also say that like, it, I know it's not a movie, but if you watch for any amount of time, like what's going on on like Cartoon Network right now, um, shows like Adventure Time and uh, Super Jail and stuff like that are totally bizarro. And then, uh, like, if you want to throw back a little bit, uh, Hodorowski is totally bizarre. So I would add him, too. Funny so. you should mention The Last Circus. I have, a, I have a photo in my phone of the Netflix screen for that because it's in my list of things to, to remember to, to watch. It is such a weirdly awesome movie. Like, I, I loved it. It was great. I, um, <laughs> I went to this party that a, a friend of mine was throwing years and years ago, and I for whatever reason, his entertainment, his kind of background stuff was he was putting uh, kind of strange movies on and stuff, and one, burned in my mind. One of the one of the ones that he played was a movie called Visitor Q. I oh God, I remember that where uh, the guy gets stuck in the woman that he's uh, <laughs> raping because she's dead, yeah. and uh, he kind of has to like sit himself in the bathtub and turn on the hot water so that her vaginal muscles uh, loosen up so that he can pull himself out. Yeah, I'm. It's a that is a strange move. That's also, that's Takashi Miike, though. Yeah. And, you, know, you have the woman squirting the breast milk and the son who's abusive. And yeah. Yeah, that a, movie. It, I mean, and on it like a party. Like, hey, guys, here's a four loco. Let's watch Visitor Q. Yeah, exactly. Like, and and that, that was my thing. It was like, you know, you could have put on a playlist or something. But yeah, he, he just started playing Visitor Q and other movies in that kind of in that it's realm. It's like, we're going to follow it up with Serbian film. <laughs> And we're gonna we're, we're gonna top the night off with Cannibal Holocaust, you know. Just so by the end of the night, I have no friends. He really likes to create awkward situations. It's kind of like the thing that Sounds he's like really it. good at. And so, yeah. yeah, having a party with this really disturbing imagery in the background, I think, was just like you know, it was like a drug for him to see how people reacted to it. It's like a it's like a party that uh, they go to in Lost Highway, when, where they're all kind of standing around, and there's that weird uh like snuff film with marilyn manson projected on the screen i don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie, but anyway you guys have weird parties that's all i'm saying <laughs> i i've met this friend of rob's and when he said that it didn't surprise me one bit <laughs> <laughs> i think we all have that friend who's just like you know he here's here i i i have a great rapport with with him and, and whenever he has these crazy ideas I, I have a lot of fun encouraging him to just be as, as horrible and offensive as possible. He had a band that were pretending to be German minimalist music and they would sing about abortions and stuff all the time. And, and when their live shows, they would do these weird theatrical things where there would be people in the audience, like plants that would just um, drop like <laughs> baby dolls out of their dresses at certain times with like <laughs> fake blood all over them. He's a, uh, he's got a, he's got a unique very unique mind that sounds awesome <laughs> that's the best thing i've ever heard that's great <laughs> i totally derailed this whole conversation very very <laughs> strange all i know is i was furiously scribbling notes on the movies you're mentioning and, and adding them all to my like adding them all to my list of movies to watch 
Oh yeah, and then after regular you, cinema has just gotten to be way too boring for me, unfortunately. Yeah, after you get done watching these movies, your your brain will be perfectly primed for for bizarro fiction. You won't be able to go back to whatever it is you're reading now. In your opinion, because I'm assuming you've read a bunch of bizarro stuff, um, do you have what you think is the quintessential bizarro novel, or or maybe one or two or a few titles? Um, yeah, I'd probably have to give you two. I would say the one that really uh, sold me on it back back in the day, back when I had just graduated high school and uh, was was getting into it was uh, Angel Dust Apocalypse by Jeremy Robert Johnson, which was uh, the only book he put out besides Extinction Journals for a very long time. We like to give him shit about that for uh, being really slow, but no, uh, Angel Dust Apocalypse is a brilliant, brilliant book, and it's a perfect. Um, lead in to bizarro it's it's um not i wouldn't call anything that's in it heavy bizarro it's got a lot of stories that aren't bizarro at all but it's fantastically written and it's uh, got just enough weirdness to let you know what you can expect from the genre as a whole if you were to go deeper into it the other book is uh one that i don't think is typically considered a bizarro book because it didn't come out on a bizarro press but it's by chris sacknesson it's called zanesville um because it's just batshit insane it's like the craziest book that i've ever read and uh as far as i'm concerned that's the bizarro bible that's like that's the go-to distilled essence of everything that is bizarro is uh definitely zanesville so you actually mentioned him on uh, when we talked to you for the Warm to Bound sessions. I think that's the name that came up of people you were recommending. Oh yeah, I'm I'm completely in love with him. He's uh, a <laughs> he's he's uh, everything that he writes. He's he's somebody like Cody Goodfellow, um, who it's really kind of sickening to to read their work and intimidating because there's never like a false step or a, a misplaced word or anything like that. So it's uh. It's good inspiration, but it's also like, God, you son of a bitch, you did it again. Not a, not a wrong, not a misstep in this entire thing. So anyway, yeah, you mentioned um, Angel Dust Apocalypse and the Extinction Journals, and I vividly remember stumbling online. Um, it was a reading, and I think it was Jeremy Johnson actually reading. It was a short story, um, uh, about a guy in a cockroach. That, uh, that's the sharp dressed man at the end of the line yes and it was so fantastic and for some reason I, it's always like been on my list to, to catch up with um, it was Extinction Journals at the time and I just never got around to it it's still like on my long list of books to read yeah Extinction Journals is actually the sequel to that story so it goes sharp dressed man at the end of the line and then it picks up um, There's a, he's, he's covered in a cockroach suit he uh, is walking across an apocalyptic wasteland, and he encounters the only other survivor of this uh, nuclear war, which is the president. Who, uh, you know, there's two things that would survive uh, a nuclear war: it's cockroaches and Twinkies. So the president's wearing a Twinkie suit, and the cockroaches proceed to eat him. And then the extinction journals pick up uh, after they're done eating the president. So this is like a 10-minute out loud red story. It was maybe 10 to 15 minutes, and it was just just fantastically done. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so you name dropped a few people. Um, who would you say the big names or the big heavy hitters in the in the genre of bizarro are? 
Well, there's the... Besides yourself, obviously. Oh, right. No, yeah. <laughs> I would say Carlton Mellick III is probably the biggest one. He's the most recognizable. Uh, when we were at Bizarro Con, there's actually, there was a giant uh, cloth hanging from the uh, from the ceiling that had his face imprinted on it. So he's sort of the, the patriarch of the whole thing. Um, By recognizable, you mean he's an interesting-looking character, right? So I've seen pictures of him. He's memorable. He's a weird-looking dude. He's also a giant. He's huge in person wow. and, very, and very quiet. You never know what he's thinking, but... Anyway, uh, Cameron Pierce is another one. Um, I think that like pretty much everything Cameron writes is is brilliant and awesome. And uh, he actually also he won the Wonderland this year for a short story collection for Lost in Cat Brainland, which is also awesome. There's um, Michael Hansen is really funny. Like he's probably the funniest guy in Bizarro. He's got uh, oh he had a new book. I'm, not, I'm an idiot, but I can't remember what it's called. But he, his other book is Help a Bear is Eating Me. And uh, it is. Yeah, I did. I actually read that, and it was very, very funny. Oh, there you go. So you have that. Read didn't it. that didn't occur to me as a bizarre book? Believe it or not, as this man is being eaten by a bear while he's trapped under an SUV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Michael gave a, a a talk at the at the um, bizarro con uh, sort of dinner award ceremony or whatever, and it was just the funniest thing I had ever seen. It was about death. And about people who uh, it's I won't even try to like repeat it because I'm not funny and stupid, but it was awesome. So all of I'm I'm assuming anything that he puts out is going to be hilarious. Um, D. Harlan Wilson is another one. He's put out a book of criticism. I think I didn't read it, um, but he has the he's put out the first book of bizarro criticism um, and essays and things like that. I think that was him. I hope I'm not that up um and then uh kevin donahue is another one he edited he edited uh barebone for a long time uh which published my first the first short story that i got published in print was was in barebone so donahue holds a special place in my heart and he's a he's an interesting character as well in irl as the kids say uh yeah i'm dropping the go yeah bt dubs (laughs) better be ready for it uh, and then you guys Cody- totally lost me, just FYI. Okay. You said FYI. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> That's the only one I know. Well, it's dub No, um, it, I'm not going to explain to you. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and then Cody Goodfellow, who is uh, just probably one of the best writers ever, just period, um, who did Radiant Dawn and Ravenous Dusk, which uh, he does a lot of stuff in uh, like the Cthulhu mythos. So a lot of his stories deal with, you know, tentacle beasts and horrors that can't be named and things like that. But it's just awesome. Um, you mentioned Angel Dust Apocalypse as a good starting off point. I mean, I've seen things online like the Bizarro Starter Kit. Is there anything else you'd recommend for someone to just get their feet wet? Um, I mean, yeah, I, the Starter Kits are good. Um, it really, like, depending on where people would want to start, it would, it would have to depend on what they were looking for with uh with bizarro like if they wanted to do to go the more like crazy funny route you know i would say something like one of Melick's books like ape shit or maybe burke's book uh shatner quake or something like that you know like that's that's more like i call it like the more punk end of the bizarro thing it's 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 funnier the stories uh, are are quick and easy to read 
um, which is not like I'm not I'm not like talking shit about that or anything. I mean, I think that's that's great. But then there's also like if you were looking for something a little bit more along like crime fiction, uh, like weird crime, that's more Jeremy's press. So you know, we live inside you or. Um, one of Cody's books or something like that would probably be great. And then Cameron's books on lazy fascists. Um, well, they're not Cameron's books. They're the books that he publishes are, are awesome. But if we're going in terms of like defining things as, as musical genres, I would call Eraserhead is more of the punk and then lazy fascist is like indie music. I would call, I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but it makes sense in my mind. <laughs> no, I, I think, well, at least I follow you. Yeah. And then, and then, swallow down is kind of like prog rock in a way, I guess. Um, which I hate prog rock, so. But that's just the closest thing that I could think of. But um. But anyway, yeah. So it really just it it would depend on what they would want. But I would definitely say Angel Dust Apocalypse. You can't go wrong with that. The starter kits, you can't go wrong with. I think the starter kits have uh, the extinction journals that we were talking about er earlier, among other novellas. And they're like super cheap, so you can get a whole bunch of Bizarro for really cheap with either of the starter kits. So, cool. Um, we're going to kind of punctuate this a little bit. Punctuate? No, I don't know if that's the word. Perforate? Anyway, we're going to break it up a little bit. And uh, actually, Malaz, our correspondent from the Netherlands, had sent in a question that he had about Bizarro. So we're going to let it run, and then uh, hopefully you can give us uh, an answer to his weird rambling question. Hello. I want to ask a question about Bizarro, as I don't exactly get the points, because to me it seems like you're writing weird for weird's sake. I want to clarify my question with an example uh, from a story by Amy Bender called The Healer. The first two lines are like this. There were two mutant girls in the town. One had a hand made of fire, and the other had a hand made of ice. Everyone else's hands were normal. Now, especially that final line makes it interesting. Because if everyone uh, in town had a hand of uh, fire or ice, it wouldn't make much sense. The girls wouldn't stand out, and we couldn't really tell the story anymore. So if everyone has a hand of made out of ice or made out of uh, fire, then the abnormal becomes normal. If everything is normal, it isn't really bizarre anymore. And then, if that's the case, bizarro doesn't really have a right to be there, does it? Well, okay. Um, first of all, I do want to address the, uh, the weird for the sake of weird thing. Um, I think Melik wrote an article a while back that said uh, um, Bizarro is weird for the sake of being weird um, in the same way that horror is scary for the sake of being scary and you know porn is sexy for the sake of being sexy well some porn is sexy some not so much but what's most important about it is that it's interesting for the sake of being interesting now um, if everything in a universe is completely strange um, I think he said something to the effect of that would, in a sense, make everything normal. Nothing would be right. uh, interesting. I don't know if I really follow the logic of that, actually. Um, I'm, I'm trying to unpack it, but um, I guess if, if, this, if the surreal becomes familiar, then it 
it loses its impact or something. But I'm just I'm thinking about films that I've watched, like like David Lynch films, which are batshit insane from beginning to end, or Hodorowski films, which are crazy from beginning to end. And though you become more ready for the weirdness, more um, accepting maybe of the things that happen, it never keeps it from being you know this this weird thing like i i don't i don't really follow it's never happened in my experience that keeping on a bunch of weird stuff eventually wears out the weirdness that's mm -hmm. just never happened to me personally and as far as it being weird for the sake of being weird i think that when people say that it's just because it hasn't worked for them like it's it's boring like it doesn't work for them like malaz said um it becomes sort of normal. The weird becomes normal, and therefore it's not interesting anymore. And um, everybody has different tastes, and I could see where that's coming from, but there's so much different bizarro out there. There's some stuff that has very subtle weirdness and some stuff that's crazy and has words like fuck in the title and, you know, that are more for people who are willing to accept that in the first place. You know, and um, I think that that the weirdness is actually awesome, and that uh, I don't know. I think that I'm trying to not get too serious here. I'm trying to keep it keep it light. But um, <laughs> there is a quote uh, from from David Foster Wallace that I always remember, and it's it's to, like, why do we read and like why do we write and stuff like that. And he basically said that it's to feel uh, less lonely, right? Some people feel less lonely. They relate to things that are more closer to their own experience. So they might not like weird things. Um, they might prefer, you know, a, a coming-of-age story. They, they're, they're the audience for, for things like, you know, extremely loud and incredibly close and stuff like that, you know, that, that I actually don't know what that book is about, but I'm guessing – you know, there's a boy and something tragic happens and he becomes a man and some people really relate to that. Um, That's pretty much what happens. Yeah, so some things, things like that have never worked for me. Um, I'm a person who's extremely neurotic and who is extremely strange. And to me, the world is a consistently absurd and frightening place. So these weird things, these weird elements that some people seem to get annoyed by, I highly relate to because... Um, if the goal of literature is to feel less lonely, I, I feel less lonely when these writers have articulated just how scary and absurd I think the world is on a, on a daily basis. So it's just, I guess my simple answer is, yeah, it's not for everybody. And the weirdness isn't going to go over and some people are going to do that little hand jerk off motion and roll their eyes. But other people are really going to connect with it and it's going to really speak to them. And uh, that's who I'm, I'm talking to, I guess. You kind of made me think of something that, uh, and I'm going to have real trouble articulating this in a way that's not offensive to mm -hmm. writers of Bizarro, mm -hmm. but um, this is because I haven't, you know, I'm coming into this fresh, and I don't think we said it on. Hit you know, me, just hit me, just hit me. Don't <laughs> sugarcoat it. I'm ready. I can take. It. <laughs> well, I don't think we said this while we're recording, but I really haven't read any Bizarro. I know Livius has, so I mean, this is something that I mean, I understand the basic idea of, but um, one of the things that I'd imagine some people might write off Bizarro for is, you know, like that whole, what you were saying, the weird for the sake of being weird thing is, um, is, I guess, how do you measure the level of literary content? I mean, 
and that's why I'm worried that it's going to sound offensive because like obviously no, obviously anybody who's writing a story is 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 doing work and they you know they're trying to craft it in a specific way but um I my thought was maybe some people might worry that it's just a bunch of weird stuff just for shock value. Right. Um and I mean I I think that I think that there are different kinds of of weird. Um I don't think this is this isn't an original thought that I that I had but somebody put it that there's uh there's weird that's interesting and then there's weird that's nonsensical and mm-hmm. um if people are afraid that bizarro might be nonsensical that is completely not true uh bizarro for as weird as it is has pretty straightforward easy to follow plots it's not uh it's not like experimental writing you know where the form is 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 the art you know what i mean and and there's uh it's a, it's a slog to get through, you know, I, I call it just like, uh, like, like literary viscosity, you know, like it's, it's really hard to get through a lot of them, a lot of experimental fiction. And for me, that's why it doesn't really work, you know? Um, but Bizarro for all of its weirdness and all of its kind of intimidating strangeness is surprisingly relatable. Um, when you actually open up the books and, and read them, you know, the characters, have motivations just like anybody else's and and the things that happen though they are strange are extremely easy to follow because bizarro especially um i hear uh the eraser head people say this all the time like the, the goal is to make it actually fun to read um so the weirdness is there to be interesting and to keep you reading but it's not there to uh intimidate you or to alienate you or to you know make you throw your hands up and just say, okay, this is just weirdness for the sake of weirdness. I mean, there's still plots. The plots, a lot of them follow your, your typical structure. Um, but it's just all of that done in a, in a different and interesting way. So that's what I would say to that. Great. Cause, and, and really, I, I'm glad that you articulated it so well because I was really stepping on myself. But um, because you said you meant when you were mentioning the authors that you mentioned, you said one of them was just the best writers, no matter what. I thought that was great because, I mean, that's a testament to someone being just really good at the craft of writing. And then, mm-hmm. and and so my <laughs> my worry thinking about Bizarro in general, you know, when the idea was first presented to me, was like, I mean, if it's just going to be a bunch of of like situations like the Naked Lunch, my mm-hmm. brain can't process like that much like. Most bizarro, most bizarro is extremely far removed from <laughs> from Naked Lunch. Uh, you won't find very much that's 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 written that way. Cool. I, I would say that it's a it's a it's an influence, but it's also you know it's an influence with people who've also been influenced by you know like Ren and Stimpy cartoons and things like that. So so a lot of them are extremely uh, lighthearted. Some of them are a bit more serious, but most of them are just interested in giving you an entertaining reading experience. Um, Robin mentioned that I've read some Bizarro, so I'm going to go ahead and share some of the plot lines of a few of the books that I've read. Um, Help a Bear is Eating Me did not occur to me that to be a Bizarro book, and I read it you know, two years ago maybe, and I thought it was really, really funny. So that would be comedy Bizarro, I guess, because it's hilarious, and it's about a guy who spends the entire book basically pinned under an SUV while a bear is eating him and he is waiting for help. And the guy's got all kinds of issues. He's a drug addict. He's cheating on his wife, whatever. So, um, you know, it, it, comic in scope, but, you know, very introspective into his own life and how he got to that spot. Um, 
another one was razor wire pubic hair that I read many years ago. And if I remember correctly, it was about Android sex slaves. Um, again, very interesting, you know, and, uh, the other one was Shatner quake, which you, which you mentioned, which was, um, uh, the actual actor, William Shatner goes to a convention and, uh, it, through some mishap or through some sabotage, um, every character he's ever played um, comes to life to fight him. So, I mean, again, <laughs> kind of funny, but, you know, we're in, in all three of those books had their their definite good points. I, you know, I some were written better than others. Some of the stories were better or funnier than others, but yeah, definitely is a, is a broad scope um, of stuff. There's another book I started, I never finished, and I, I, it was about these aliens who were actually assholes that had kidnapped kids. Oh, Ass Goblins of Auschwitz. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, that's Cameron Pierce. That's, that's, yeah. uh... I did not, um, I didn't get very far into it. I don't know why. I didn't think it was bad. It was way the hell out there, as, as you can tell from, from the title, which was another yeah, point I wanted to bring that's, that's definitely one of the, one of the more extreme bizarro books that, that, that you'll find, I think. Yeah, it was, it's, it's definitely intense. Um, but you had mentioned, you know, just them having fuck in the title. You will not find a genre of books that have more eye-catching titles than Bizarro. Oh, and, no. And that's, yeah, I mean, you know, it's great <laughs> that, you know, the girl with the dragon tattoo conveys a certain message. You know, Ask Goblins of Auschwitz, you, you can't, like, you, you if you walk past it or scroll past it on the internet, you will scroll back up to see what that said, because it'll just catch your brain. So, they don't, it to the... They don't, they, don't, they don't sell that book in Germany, I think, actually. Like, seriously. <laughs> Well, that, yeah, I could see where that, they might find so, that a little. They don't a sell little. one, or uh, I think there's another one called uh, Adolf in Wonderland, or something like that. <laughs> they, they, they don't. Sell, they they get sensitive about that that kind of thing. I think. I would. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, so, but anyway, yeah, kind of back to what you were talking about, weird for weird sake or, or whatever. My thought is, the more I thought about this episode and kind of thought to myself about some of the books I've read or what I know about it is. You know what a wonderful canvas to paint with you know and you had said there's crime bizarro so you're a crime fiction writer but mm -hmm. you want this really weird thing to happen and you can do that and you can't if you're a just a crime noir author you can't That's introduce exactly. yeah. aliens or you know uh, dragging out someone's intestine and hanging them from it's just not something you can do so you have as a bizarre author, it seems to me like you have probably the widest canvas. I mean, fantasy, you know, yeah, you can kind of do your things with fantasy, but there's an expectation that there's going to be a wizard and a sword at some point or science fiction. You know, I mean, yes, you can create your own world, but they have limitations. It seems like bizarro is a genre that has removed every single limitation possible from a story because anything is actually possible and then believable within the bizarro realm. Exactly. And that's what's so appealing to me as a writer about it is just the, the freedom. You know, um, like with with my book, but by the time we leave, we'll be friends. It's it's a crime story, and it takes place in a gulag. You know, but the main character has a wound on his neck that opens up, and his uh, esophagus comes out, and does various creepy things while he's sleeping. You know, and he wakes up every morning, and there's a there's a dead reindeer in front of his um, uh, little hut or whatever that has had all of its organs removed except for for its placenta. And, you know, uh, the, the gangsters there have, like, uh, like shark teeth, and uh, they have um, hands that move without bodies to do tattoos and just all kinds of weird shit that when I'm writing it, it's what I really want to put in there because in the context of the story, it, it's, it would be, it's really cool. But, yeah, if I was writing that book for, I don't know, a more mainstream 
crime publisher, there's no way I could get away with putting that stuff in there. And that's what makes the book cool. So I think that's kind of what everybody who writes Bizarro really loves about it is that, you know, hey, we can throw in a talking squid if we want to, if it feels right, because nobody's going to be like, what, a, like, like, why did you throw in a talking squid? Unless it doesn't work. I mean, you know, if, if it works within the context right. of the story, like, then it'll be, it'll get a pass. But, you know, in other places, it would just be like, talking squid, no, we're not having that. We're not having talking animals. We're not having, um, you know, things that, you know, like body parts that move without uh, control of their owners or anything like that. So something just occurred to me that it's just a thought that came out of nowhere. Um, we were talking about kind of correlating with movies and stuff like that, but I was thinking about um, other mediums and aside from just, you know, the written word, is there any traction for Bizarro in you know, say comics or graphic novels or any kind of other derivations of, of the written word? Oh, I would definitely say that uh, one of my favorite comics of all time, The Invisibles by Grant Morrison, is is Bizarro. It's I, I don't know if you guys have read that, but it deals with like time travel and fifth dimensional beings and mixing up identities and uh, um, just all and and also pretty much every conspiracy theory that you could think of. It's kind of like the Illuminatus in in, in comic book form, but. Um, I would say that there's a lot of comics that are are a little bit bizarro. Pretty much, like I, I mentioned, Grant Morrison. Anything Morrison writes, pretty much has an element of bizarro to it. Even when he's writing Batman, uh, there was a little, there was a thing in Batman R.I.P. where uh, Batman goes crazy and he accesses this personality that he's kept uh, under wraps for a long time. So he becomes this other Batman that's purple, and there's the Bat Imp that's like this strange little cartoon character dressed up as Batman that flies around and gives him advice and things like that. So I would say comic books have really embraced the, the weirdness of, uh, of, of Bizarro, um, even maybe even more so than, uh, than movies have. Cause, uh, you can do some weird shit in, um, in comics and they, they have ever since, uh, what was that thing that, uh, super red kryptonite, whenever Superman would get the red kryptonite and, just like all that weird shit would happen. Like he turned into the Ant-Man and things like that. I don't know. That was, I think that was back. That might've been the eighties, but comics have always had like their, their one step forward as far as, uh, accepting weirdness as more than any other medium, I think. Yeah. It seems like it's a really good medium for it. Um, not only because, well, I mean like I have a limited knowledge of comic books. I kind of, when I was younger was into them a little bit, but stepped away from it. But I mean, just the fact that, you know, you have, even in, in a very established storylines, it seems like, you know, you can have alternate storylines or, you know, things can change and stuff like that. So the reality is a little more malleable, but, like, just the visual aspect, I think, would, you know, lend itself very easily to the the stranger parts of stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I remember when I was a kid, the comics, I don't know if this still goes on, but they had the What If series, which was always, now that I think about it, basically bizarro and it would be things like sometimes like really serious like what if superman never got his powers but then they'd have things like what if plastic man had a kid with like the green lantern like just really weird out there stuff you know that lent itself to what now is you know more we talk about i could see more things that i've read or seen or thought of that could be that could fall into this genre are you guys still there yeah 
<laughs> no oh, one yeah. has anything to say. Oh, yeah. about. I, which is which is okay. <laughs> yeah. No. I. Uh, I never. I never saw the the what ifs. But yeah. No. I mean, there's um, I mean, every like like in comics are just getting even weirder. Like since DC started their new Fifty Two or whatever, there's just so much weird stuff going on with Swamp Thing and Animal Man and. It's just you can do whatever you want because it's it's a genre that has to stay interesting on a on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a lot of there's not a lot of room for for taking a breath and having something maybe a bit more talky happen for a month at a time. Like you have to you have to do uh, weird things, you know. There's a there's a book out right now. It's a graphic novel called Day Tripper, which is uh, it's by uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. And it's um, it's this uh, guy's life story, but it's broken up into nine parts, and it's told achronologically, like you know he's an old man, then he's a kid, you know whatever. But at the end of every chapter, uh, he dies. So it's told in this really strange way, and it has this really strange twist to it. Um, but it's really cool because it allows you to kind of like meditate like, well, would it be sadder if he died when he was a kid and he was never able to reach this potential? Or was it sadder when he died as an old man and had, you know, suffered all these disappointments throughout his life? But, you know, the comics are just a lot more open to uh, inventive structures in the name of awesome art. And I think uh, I think books and movies are definitely catching up, but but comics are where it's at. It's probably a perfect segue into our next question. Um, where do you see the genre heading? I think it's. I think it's just. It's going to get bigger. I think it's going to get more popular. I think as people uh, warm up to it, I think it'll gain an even bigger following. Uh, it's. It's definitely going to go towards the, the the movie angle. Like I know there's a movie in production right now called Rose the uh, Bizarro zombie musical i want to say i think it's got zombie in the title anyway it's got puppets and gore and singing and a really nice looking lady i i forget her name anyway but that that movie is going to be awesome and then i think there's other ones but you know they keep it under wraps as they say they keep it hush hush or whatever because they don't want people to know um but i think it's going to go towards film and i think that the uh the presence in literature is just going to explode. I think it's going to I think it's going to be huge. And I think people are going to start to be bizarro that don't realize that they're bizarro and I think so I think that the genre will grow but I think it'll also gain people who uh you know who don't want to admit that they're that they're bizarro but really it's it's going to have an influence just on mainstream literature in general. So I think we're going to see a change towards the weird which I'm all for. It makes sense because if if Hollywood can wrap or whoever, even smaller filmmakers can kind of wrap their mind around that. Now it just seems like it's so much rehashing of the same crap. Everything's a remake from a TV show or a movie series. And it would seem that having that, you know, kind of blank canvas to work with, if, if, if we see enough movies that are like that and enough people can wrap their minds around them, I mean, it could be a boon for the whole industry just to to be able to do some new stuff and not just remarket the same crap, you know, in different no. packaging. Now, see, you said that, and I agree with you on, on the one hand, but I also know a lot of people who, who don't like to get outside their comfort zone. So now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know how, how successful it might be in, in the movie world. It might, like, achieve cult status or something like that. It, I mean, it might get huge, and, I mean, the, the quality and the talent, the talent is definitely there. But now that I think about it, like, I get people who, you know, 
don't like, you know, they have like, people have the weirdest reasons for not liking movies. Like, like I'll talk to somebody and they'll be like, oh, I really hated Transformers 3. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. I, I assumed that that was a terrible movie. And they're like, yeah, because they didn't, they didn't have any Camaros in it. And it's like, what? What are you talking about? What, what does that even mean? Like, there, there are reasons for hating a movie and reasons for liking a movie, but, but whether or not they include your, your specific car in it shouldn't, shouldn't. So people like things for really weird reasons, and they also don't like things for really stupid reasons. Like, I've never understood this, but some people get really pissed off when they're watching a movie or they're watching a TV show and like a character dies that they really like like they just that's it the show sucks because you know you you made this creative choice that I that I disagree with instead of absorbing the creative choice and you know deciding whether it works they just hate it flat out because it's not what they agree with so yeah i don't know how people would really react to something like i don't know the ass goblins of auschwitz movie but uh <laughs> not airing in germany yeah, no, it would never. It would, yeah, we'd have to change it to like the the ass goblins of, I don't know, Aust. No, couldn't do Austria either. Oh, the Netherlands. I'm yeah. thinking the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just change the city just flat out. Just, you know. Yeah, just the Netherlands. The I ass- could think of I could think of one ass goblin that might live in the Netherlands. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I get it. That's funny. That's good. Uh, but no, yeah. So um, now that I think about it, I'm kind of reining back in. Um, I personally would be excited and people like me would be excited. And I think there are enough people like me that something like, you know, more bizarro minded movies would be super successful. But the more and more I think about it, well, then again, I live in Oklahoma and it's just like a cultural wasteland here. I mean, it's just, it's freaking awful. So maybe I don't have exactly the best, uh, uh, pool from which to draw my, my, uh, analysis. But, but anyway, all right. Um, I, I guess it's my job on on this episode to ask the kind of higher philosophical questions. But this just occurred to me, and I I think we probably already covered it with the uh, with Mal- the your answer to Malaz's question. But um, mm. is there any kind of major hurdles or obstacles or assumptions that Bizarro needs to shake off in order to you know kind of gain in in popularity and, and kind of become more mainstream? Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's Bizarro's responsibility to shake anything off. You know, I Damn. think. I think very nice. I think it's uh I think Bizarro um is the way it is and if you don't like it then fuck you. You know, I I think that's that's a pretty bold statement but when but when you read it like the the books aren't getting less weird, you know. Um and I think they are finding their audience because it's it's out there. And there are always going to be haters, there are going to be people who just don't like it for whatever reason. But I, I would I would hate to see Bizarro compromise its lovely weirdness in any way, shape, or form to kind of kowtow to uh, to more mainstream or popular demands. I love that passion. That's a great taste of passion, and and that says something about you know a genre. If someone cares about it that much, I I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's uh, it definitely means a lot to me. Um, you mentioned some websites, and uh, and I know you've given us a, a comprehensive list of authors and books. But is there a, is are there a couple of good resources on the internet for people who want to get into Bizarro that they could head over and and you know peruse a community? Is there a website or two you can recommend for that? I would say yeah. I would say the first um, website would be Bizarro Central uh, dot com, which uh, 
is sort of a blog slash uh, primer on Bizarro. You can go and look at authors. You can get links to books. You can just read all the weird stuff that Constance and them are posting over there all the time. Or um, another one is actually just like if you find a Bizarro author that you like, just add them on Facebook, and there's a Bizarro uh, group on Facebook, and all of the authors are super accessible and super nice and it's it would be great to have more people come in and actually be part of the community rather than sort of like you know passive fans you know who sort of consume and then you know put nothing back out there you know like we want to hear from people and we want to interact with people and we want to talk to them and see what works for them and and you know what they liked and what what they didn't like and uh just you know we we want more interaction and we had a forum for a while but i don't think bizarro central has a forum up right now um so yeah like i said the best idea would just be to type one of our names into the facebook search bar and say what's up and we'll chat is um bizarro central is that the home of uh one of our listeners frank edler mentioned um i think it's called the bizarro brigade Oh, yeah, yeah, the Bizarro Brigade. That is the home of the Bizarro Brigade, I think, and that's a really cool um, system that they have going on that I'm not I'm not entirely sure how it works, but I know that you buy books and then you review them on Amazon, and then based on how many reviews you have on Amazon, you get a certain amount of credit or something like that towards a new book. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really encourages people to, to promote and to... Uh, uh, Amazon reviews for for small presses like Eraserhead and Swallowdown and stuff like that. Amazon is our bread and butter. Like we, for all of the evil shady things that Amazon does to us, it's it's how we make a living. So, um, and to some of us like me, it's not really how you make a living either. But uh, <laughs> um, but no. So so the Bizarre Brigade is awesome, and it's a it's a good way to get you know news about newer titles and to connect with other fans and to just, you know, become a part of this uh, community rather than just, you know, absorbing and saying nothing, you know? Um, So a little bit about yourself. Um, Is there anything that you're currently working on yourself that you'd like to talk about? Um, Yeah, no, um, I'm getting almost to the finish line with my next novel, which is more of just a straight-up crime uh, novel. There's not really very many bizarre elements to it, but that's... (laughs) You know what's awesome. I was talking about freedom. You have the right to be as weird as you want to be, uh, but you know, with people like Jeremy, who's the publisher for Swallowdown, I also can be as straightforward as I want to be, as long as I'm telling a hopefully good story. So um, yeah, it's set in Oklahoma, and it's called Low Down Death Right Easy, and it's about a murder, and um, all of the, there's basically three different stories that uh, that are played out throughout the course of the, uh, of the, of the novel. There's, uh, it's, it's kind of a, the guy who gets killed is sort of a, he's kind of a bad guy. Um, he's a a thief and a murderer and and all, all of the above, all bad guy. But after he's killed, um, we follow his, uh, the evolution of his little brother from a genuinely good kid who's going to go to college and all this kind of stuff into uh like sort of becoming what his older brother was we follow um the man who killed him um for uh who who killed him for the wrong reason um he was actually not guilty of 
the crime that this man thought he deserved um, vigilante justice for. So we, we follow that guy, and then we also follow the two uh, perpetrators who actually committed the crime for which the uh, titular character was murdered for as they kind of deal with what they've done. Um, so anyway, I don't know if I explained that well, but it's, it's really complicated, but um, I'm liking it. It's turning out okay. So. so you're saying there's absolutely no tentacles in this book? There are zero tentacles, actually. All right. Yeah. All right. But, um, and no, no ass goblins either, unfortunately. No ass goblins of Holland. That's, no, that's what I need, actually. That's perfect. It is going to be Bizarro, and there's going to be ass goblins. I, I didn't know how to end it, but now I do. And <laughs> is going to kill everybody with his uh, ass, I guess. I guess if it's an ass goblin, it's all ass. There's no, like, other part to it. I don't know if it, ass goblins have no heart. Or maybe they do, and it's like the Grinch, and it's just really small, and they have to have somebody touch their heart so that it can grow ten sizes and whatever. I'm not touching any ass goblins. Uh, <laughs> hey, is there anything else you'd like to plug before we let you go? Ass goblins. <laughs> plug. Uh, anyway, oh. um, um, let's see. Um, Jeremy came out with a new book, We Live Inside You. That's a swallow down book, so I have to, I have to represent for, for my press. Um, there are, oh man, I always go draw a blank, and then afterwards I kick myself. Um, God damn it, no, I can't think of anything. But Jeremy's new book, uh, everybody go read Bizarro. It's it will be a fulfilling experience. At the very least, you'll come away disturbed and confused. Um, and hit me up on Facebook. I always like, uh, new people to berate and, uh, make fun of. So it'll be fun. Sounds good. Um, well, Hey, we want to thank you for coming on. We want to thank you for, uh, opening our eyes a little bit about Bizarro. Um, and we're going <laughs> to probably hound you afterwards to give us a list of everything that you mentioned so that we can uh, put it up on the website and have a nice list of resources for anybody that was listening to go check out. Um, But anyway, yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you uh, spending the time talking about Bizarro with us. No problem, man. Anytime you guys need anything, I'm I'm here. I'm, I'm your bitch. (laughs) That's staying in. All right. (laughs) Yeah. A big thank you for J David Osborne for joining us on our inaugural intro to episode which um, was a ton of fun um, you can find him on Facebook he is J David Osborne just the way it sounds and you heard him friend him up on Facebook we're Facebook friends with him he's really funny <laughs> it's true and um, be sure to check out his book by the time we leave here we'll be friends uh, I'll definitely make sure to have a very convenient link for that on the post for this episode on our website now Livius is going to let you know what we're going to be reading in our next episode, kind of as a follow-up. All right, so uh, next week, we're going to put our newfound knowledge to the test. Um, you heard uh, David mention it earlier, We Live Inside You by Jeremy Robert Johnson. It's a bizarro collection that um, I had the the benefit of starting today and read the first couple of stories, and, and i got to tell you, it's strange. Yeah, so look forward to that. We will have that episode up next week, and... Um, Feel free to get in touch with us if you have questions about Bizarro. I'm sure we have contacts we can we can get you in touch with. Or uh, check out the post for this episode on our website. We're going to fill it with as many 
resources and links and names and everything that we can to help people kind of, you know, get off the ground with Bizarro. Uh, and as resources come in, we'll, we'll just build it up. We'll just keep building up the post with more and more information that's relative to the Bizarro genre. And hey, if you were listening to this episode going, God, you know, I, I really love romantic westerns as much as David Osborne likes Bizarro. Um, get in touch with us. We're open to suggestions for other intro two episodes. We're already going to do Hard Boiled next month with Nick Corpin, which we're also very excited about. But um, we're open to doing this as long as uh, as long as we're having fun doing it. So hit us up on Facebook after you friend J. David Osborne. All right, and if you're wondering how to get in touch with us, you can email us. It's bookpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can leave a comment on our website, bookpodcast.com, and catch us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash bookedpodcast. And absolutely hit us up on Twitter. Livia's figured out again how to use Twitter, and it's uh, at bookedpodcast over there. All right, and uh, that's really about it for this episode, I think. I think we got a lot of stuff done today. Yep. I feel good about it. So, you know, let's call it a night. And that wraps up the very first ever booked intro to episode. Until next time, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.